Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. In this episode, we're going to talk about buying under obligation. And you're probably wondering what I'm thinking about when it comes to that. And I know a lot of you, well, most of you probably feel this. I know I do from time to time. And I fought this for quite a while, this uh, conundrum. Here's basically how it plays out. You go to your local real estate meeting. You know, Jimmy, the wholesaler, pitches you a deal, tells you all about it. You're, of course, excited, but at the same time, you're scared, right? It's nerve. It makes you nervous because you're thinking to yourself, well, I got to do something or they're going to think that I'm not a real buyer, right? It makes you start thinking, I got to perform or they're going to think I, A, don't have the money, B, am just a big fraidy cat, I'm scared, or just flat out see you don't want to disappoint folks, other people. And I get it. I've been through this. I had this emotion a lot when I first got started. And I want to talk about that this week, uh, that emotion, how to work through it. One test I do is I ask myself, okay, would I pitch this to a group of my peers? So how does that work? Well, you're looking at a deal. And guys, this applies, by the way, if you're buying a single family house to live in with you and your wife or you and your husband or spouse or whatever, or you're buying an investment property, it doesn't matter. Any type of purchase, be in a position to justify it to someone else. And if you can do that, then chances are you believe in the decision you're making and you can press on. Here's an example of what I mean. Recently, a friend of mine called me and was telling me this story. He's out of state in a different market. And he was telling me this story about he's dealing with this real estate broker who owns a property management company. And the realtor, you know, my my buddy is a creative investor. He likes to get things done uh, creatively. He wants to make sure he adds value to the seller and obviously adds value to himself as well and makes sure the broker's taken care of and all that good stuff. So he's out looking for a real estate agent to help him in his market because in his market, a lot of the listing agents don't want to deal with the buyers. And frankly, I'm that way too. And it's not that I don't want to deal with them is that I don't feel I can, I can really offer them much representation. What do I mean by that? Those of you that are my real estate, real other realtor friends know what I'm talking about. Uh, Or maybe you disagree with this. Who knows? But hear me out. You, I want to make sure that whoever I'm representing gets the best representation. So with that said, if I'm the listing agent, I'm only going to do a good job representing the seller. I don't, I care for the buyer because I'm a cash compassionate person, but at the end of the day, I got to pick who to take care of and I can only take care of one. So I choose the seller. If the seller is the one that I'm representing. Uh, now if there's a buyer that comes to the table and they absolutely can't find a realtor or refusing to use a realtor, then I'll work with them, but I'm going to have them sign what they call a notice of non-representation. And you can rest assured, I am a pushy listing agent. I'm going to com- get you to commit and get an offer in writing on paper and in, in front of my seller. So I'm probably not going to be the best guy. If you're the buyer and I'm the listing agent, you probably don't want me don't want to deal directly with me because I'm pushy and I'm a salesman. And I'm going to put you on paper. I'm going to qualify you. I'm going to make sure that you're able to buy and I'm going to push you into making a, a making a decision to write an offer or I'm going to do what they call broom you, right? It's because I'm a salesman. It's what I do. I'm a closer. So if you're not ready to be closed, I'm not the guy you want to call. What that makes me a great listing agent because people don't sniff around my customers' properties. They write offers on them and that's how we routinely get 
ridiculous amounts over appraisal. I just got one the other day, $140,000 over appraisal. Yes, I know the world is falling and the sky is falling and we're all going to die and the market's crashing, but I was able to still get somebody under contract, get them closed 140 grand over appraisal. I did a hundred thousand just not too long ago. Did another 150,000 before that. Got a 76,000, got a 40,000. These are all over appraisals that I've done here in the last year or so. How do I do that? Well, I'm a high pressure guy. In other words, if you want to get into a situation where you're trying to buy what I got for sale, I'm going to get you to commit. I'm going to ask probing questions, closing questions to get you in a buy mood, buy decision. That's what I do. I know how the psychology works. And I know that if people are get a little bit of, of pressure and a little bit of push, they're either going to go the other direction, which usually tells me they're not qualified or they're not ready to buy, which is fine, or they're going to commit. And when multiple people commit to the same thing I have for sale, the price has only one way to go, and that's up. And that's why I'm one of the top listing agents in the state of Florida, frankly, probably in the country. Cocky? Yes. Truthful? Absolutely. So I'm an expert in pressure to buy, right? Feeling compelled to buy. I used to feel it. I know what it feels like. It's not comfortable. But my job is to represent my clients, not to to be Mr. Uh, Rainbows and, and Puppy Dogs. That said, when I work with a buyer, same thing. I am going to push and try to get the best deal I can for my buyer. I'm going to talk and make good friends with the agent. I'm going to build rapport with the agent. If I'm working with a wholesaler, which I rarely do, but in the few instances that I can find a wholesaler that actually provides something that's priced below retail, rare, but when it does come up, then I want to build rapport with them. I want to get them in a position to go. Now, that said, they, if they don't have a, if they're doing a daisy chain, I'm going to nudge and nudge and nudge and get to them to see if they're actually the decision maker in the deal. Or are they just daisy chain this with someone else? Because I know that fear that's kicking in is going to overpower them. And that's a great way to qualify people. So what do I mean by that? Well, people are out there doing deals right now only because they don't want to look stupid to the seller or to the real estate agent or to the wholesaler. This happens every day. It happens in every real estate market. It probably has happened to you more than once. It's happened to me. It's a normal reaction, first of all. But here I got good news for you. You can work yourself out of that. Number one, find a real estate agent that gives a damn. Find a real estate agent that's an expert negotiator. How do I know if they're an expert negotiator? (laughs) You talk to someone, you're going to know if they're an expert negotiator or not. But when agents tell you stories like, oh, you should pay full price, you should, I'm only going to present offers that are asking or above. Well, number one, that's an ethics violation. I don't care what state you're in, but that's an ethics violation. That realtor can lose their license for even uttering that statement, probably. Uh, that is a big no-no. So that is an immediate red flag. Because what they want you to do, basically, is just just shut up and buy. Because i got to go back to doing whatever it is that I do. Well, that's ridiculous. That doesn't make any sense at all. So guys, understand this. You write an offer, and I know a lot of you don't write offers because you have the fear of writing an offer is as good as being at the closing table, and I I promise you it's not. I just walked away from a deal at Seaport Inn. Why? Because when we got through due diligence, uh, something came up that was not as promised, so we had to make a tough decision to walk away from the deal. Here's the deal, guys. When you get something under contract and in good faith, You expect things to be a certain way. You ask for things like seller disclosures. You get an inspection done. You ask the seller, the the real estate broker, whoever it is, the wholesaler, 
Is there anything wrong with the property? What are the issues? You walk the property. And obviously, when you walk the property, you can't see everything. There are things behind walls. But at the end of the day, you can get a real good idea for how well a property was maintained based on a walkthrough. So don't buy a property without an inspection. That's silly. Put an inspection period in there, even if it's for one day. If for no other reason, then you can just walk through it, get through it. But don't let the fear of being of having to follow through keep you from writing that offer in the first place. I know a lot of people that do that. I'm here to tell you guys, I'm writing offers like crazy right now. I'm writing several offers a week, whether they're in writing or verbal. I am on the phone five to six days a week, negotiating with brokers, talking to sellers, sending our, our sending out our marketing, getting Pete the phone to ring. I'm talking to wholesalers, I'm talking to everybody because I'm looking for opportunities for the fund here in the state of Florida. That said, I'm not at all afraid to write an offer at all. I make, I don't make full price offers unless it's actually justified. Otherwise, I usually make a heavily discounted offer. I talk to the sellers to, if I can to find out and provide they're not represented by an agent to find out why are they selling? What are they going to do with the money? And I'm here to tell you every time a student or somebody calls in from the, the podcast wants to ask me something about a deal. These are the questions that I'm going to ask you right up front, so please have the answers. And they're very, very important. Why is the seller selling, and what are they going to do with the money? Most important two questions you could ask. I know what you're saying. Well, the wholesaler doesn't know that. You don't know that because the wholesaler might be a good one, and he may have or she may have asked those questions. Now, they may know the answer and not be willing to share it with you. I'm sure that's a thing, but uh, it's worth asking the question. If you're talking to the seller, you don't have a reason not to ask him that. And understand this, asking the question isn't as bad as you think it is, because if you ask it with the right inflection in your voice, then they're not going to be offended. They're not just going to feel intrusive. You say, it. matter of fact, hey, John, great house. Let me ask you, why are you selling such a beautiful house? I learned that from Pete Fortunato. Why are you selling such a beautiful home? Now, I probably wouldn't say that if you're standing in a complete train wreck, but why are you selling a home like this? If it's a complete, oh my God, is that a chalk line type house? Why are you, why, why are you selling? This could turn into be a great house. Well, you know, blah, 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 bullshit, lies, blah, blah, blah. They're going to tell you whatever they're going to tell you. Bottom line is you got to get the question out. John, I'm excited for you. When this thing sells, you're going to get a pile of money. What are you going to do with the money? You guys going on vacation? You're going to put a new pool in? What are you doing? You see how I have, I'm enthusiastic? I'm excited. And if you are that way, they're going to mirror you and they're going to get excited. That way you can help use things like this to help you get over that fear of having to follow through or having to, to buy. Because it's like this. I've had people tell me, well, I'm not going to hire an employee for my business because I, I, don't have, I can't afford to pay them. Well, what do you mean you can't afford to pay them? How much did your business make? 50000 a month, right? How much are you going to pay them? 50000 a year. It'll be break even. I'm like, but you're not going to give them their whole year's paycheck on day one, are you? Well, no. Well, how much are you going to pay them the first week? Whatever it is, 1000 bucks. Okay, do you have 1000 bucks? Yeah, good, then hire them. <laughs> you know, if you, I, I can't afford this house. Really? Because you don't know how to get $500,000 right now? Or because you simply can't afford $2,000 a month for the mortgage payment, let's say. That's the real question. So before you get all chapped up about uh, the fact that you're, you're not going to be able to follow through with this or you, you don't want to feel like, you, you know, pressure to commit, so you're just not going to write an offer, write yourself some outs. Give yourself a, a chance to dig into the deal to answer your questions. I heard recently a buddy of mine uh, heard this on a YouTube channel somewhere. It's like, you don't need 
more time to make a decision. You need more facts. So set yourself up within the offer writing process to get yourself those facts. Offer contingent on the answer to this question. Buyer needs a two, three, five day, whatever it is, inspection. Don't do the silly stuff where you have a 21 or 30 day inspection. Any realtor worth their salt is going to know that you're probably just trying to wholesale the deal because you don't need 30 days to inspect a property at all, ever, unless it's some thousand unit apartment building, you don't need 30 days. Right now, there's not a whole lot going on in the market. So the home inspectors are probably sitting home playing tiddlywinks anyway. You'll probably have 10 of them fighting for the job, like, you know, like uh, seagulls at the dock when you got a shrimp. So there's lots of people out there that can help you. If your home inspector isn't available, try to find a different one. See if they can refer someone who is available. But at the bottom line is, don't get yourself backed into a corner where you feel that you need to complete a sale until you've done your due diligence. It's okay, boys and girls, to do your due diligence. It's okay to make an offer below list price because here's the thing. They didn't check with you before they set list price. And half the time, the list price they set for the property has nothing to do with its actual value or its value to you. Actually, all the time, never ever does it have anything to do with what matters, what works for you. They always set the price based on something else that's unrelated. Like, I need to get a bigger, better house. I want a lake house. I want to pay off my mortgage. Whatever their reasoning is, the reason in the, that they arrived at the price they arrived at has nothing to do with you. So therefore, you're not, I'm giving you permission to not have to honor whatever they're asking. Just don't do it. And if a realtor or some broker tells you that I only write offers at full price or above, the next thing you should say is, thanks, have a great day and hang up the phone. Get away from them, distance yourself because that person is dangerous. Also, the the agent, if you're dealing with an agent that's a property manager, and I, and I hate to say it this way, but I just don't have a better way of doing it. There are realtors that are good realtors that sell property and make money. And then there are realtors that teach real estate and are property managers. Why? Because they generally are not good at sales, which means they're generally not good at uh, negotiations. And ask yourself this question. Do you really want someone who is not good at sales and not good at negotiations representing you in a real estate transaction? The answer should be no. Hell no. Instead, find somebody who doesn't suck. Find somebody that is a proven negotiator, that has a reputation for getting it done. Trust me, if the person's worth their salt, you'll find them. You just got to ask a few people in your market who's the top agent and why are they the top agent and when was the last time you used them. And guys, don't get sucked in this top agent by volume, okay? Because I know an REO broker, uh, they do thousands of deals a month. So they're the top in the country, but they couldn't tell you the first thing about how an appraisal works. They don't know, know, even know how to amortize a mortgage to come up with a mortgage payment. They don't know what goes into a home inspection. Why? Because they're paper pushers. They don't negotiate because they just represent the bank. They set the price, set it and forget it. They put it out in the MLS. They have a data entry clerk, type it in. They just fall into it. They're not, they don't have to be exceptional negotiators to represent the bank. They just have to be able to fog a mirror and have a real estate license. So don't think just because they've got tons of volume that they're this amazing rock star agent that's going to represent you. Second thing is, a lot of people think that just because you're a buyer that agents don't want to work with you because they all want listings. That's not true. Okay, that is absolutely not true. 
You find a hungry agent, an agent that just likes getting out there for the thrill of the hunt. For example, myself, my partner, Rob. Rob loves the hunt. He loves working with buyers. I love working with buyers. I like working with sellers too, but I love the thrill of the hunt. I love getting a deal from my buyers. I think it's exciting when I get a ridiculous deal from my buyers. I also think it's exciting when I get a ridiculous payday for my sellers because I, I enjoy going out in the woods and killing it and dragging it home. Ironically, I'm recording this podcast from the woods because I'm up in Cedar Key right now uh, looking at uh, properties and whatnot, and I'm home basing out of here. Jill's in Key West getting ready to move into our new apartment, so that's pretty exciting. But anyway, guys, don't let that feeling of obligation uh, overrule your logic, okay? Don't get sucked into the belief that, oh, geez, you know, I said I would go to coffee, so now I got to buy something from this realtor. Listen, you meet with a realtor and they suck, then just don't. Don't do business with them. You can still go drink coffee with them if you like them. Don't do business with your Aunt Sally. That's another thing. Because, you know, Aunt Sally's probably not any good at real estate anyway. Okay, keep that in mind. Um, if Aunt, Sally, Aunt Sally's been a, a realtor full-time, working seven days a week for the last 30 years, Aunt Sally's probably not a great realtor. So find someone who is out there who is a proven negotiator. And all you got to do is ask a couple questions to your peers and you will find people out there that are good at getting deals for their clients, whether it be your buyer or seller. That said, same thing with wholesalers. We all know everybody's a wholesaler. Everybody's a wholesaler. I mean, if you're under the age of 40 and you're probably a wholesaler if you're involved in real estate because everybody thinks that's the best way to get started, which I completely disagree with, but that's a topic for a different episode. But everybody's a wholesaler. Everybody apparently has a deal. And daisy chaining now is as rampant as herpes. It's like everybody's got a deal that is got, they, they don't even know who actually has it under contract. It's so convoluted. They found that on some Facebook group and then they're pit, they put their five grand on it or 10 grand or 15 grand. And then they got 15 grand. Next thing you know, guys, I'm seeing duplexes for like $2 million. And no, they're not in Key West. I'm talking like in Tampa. Some numbskull put a duplex up there. It was like $2.1 million. So I had to ask, what's the income? Because I don't ever say it's overpriced. What's the income? Well, right now it's only renting for $500 a door. But the income potential, if you Airbnb it, is astronomical. Interesting. What's astronomical? Give me a number. Well, I bet you you could get two grand a month for each apartment. Well... Two grand a month is four thousand a month on a duplex. Still not enough money to justify a million dollar uh, purchase. Not even close. I don't bother to tell them that because if they're dumb enough to waste their time trying to market that property, I'm not going to teach them anything new anyway. But at the end of the day, guys, you know, right up front, real quick, all of you know. I don't care if it's your second day in real estate. If you can do basic math, you know whether or not you're doing the right thing. It's kind of like when you're getting ready to cross the street. You know you should look for a car before you cross the street. Now, I'm sure there's a knucklehead out there every once in a while that's got their iPad on, or their iPad, or iPod, so that's funny, has their uh, iPhone going, and they're on Instagram, they're not paying attention, they get pummeled by a city bus. But for the rest of you, I bet you it's quite the opposite. I bet you know that there is a something wrong with this deal. It's overpriced. You shouldn't be doing it. But you're going to sign on to the excuse that the broker tells you to go with because, after all, that's what's going to get them a paycheck. So, guys, you know better. I know better. Let's keep ourselves accountable by not doing bad deals, especially now. There's a lot of blood in the water. A lot of people are thirsty and scared, and they're going getting ready to do dumb deals just because they don't want to disappoint somebody. Oh, I want to look good for the broker because they won't give me any more bad deals. 
Think about what I just said there. I want to do a great job for this broker and buy so they'll give me more bad deals. (laughs) Because you don't get to just buy a bad deal. And then suddenly they're going to throw you a bone on the second one. Oh, no, you just trained that broker or that wholesaler that you're a ding dong that buys bad deals. So every deal you get from here on out is going to be worse. So don't set yourself up for that failure, guys. Don't deal with people that are leading you down that primrose path and are getting ready to stick it to you. Instead, know what you know. And if you can't pitch that deal to your friends, to your peers, or hell, email it to me. If you can't do that because you know what I'm going to say or you know what your friends are going to say, then that's a clue. Follow that gut feeling. This is a bad deal. Don't do it. Guys, have a great week, and I will catch up with you next time. This concludes today's episode. You don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn. Head over to CashflowGuys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas. So you can start generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race.